0: Hello, welcome to Utabia. Beer. Stephen Chicken here. I've left a big pause there because people have said that it sounds like the name of the podcast is Uta Beer. Stephen Chicken, <laughs> which is a different podcast. No, only wants available. That. Well, it's only available behind a paywall. So if you DM me, I'll send you the uh, the address for that. It's a very niche thing. Um, Huddersfield Town <laughs> have had a really busy couple of weeks since we last recorded, um, we had the international break where nothing was happening so we thought no need to do a podcast here and then suddenly everything has happened <laughs> in the space of a week hasn't it, Optus David Hartrick.
1: It has, it's been a busy old time and you have been front and centre at part of it haven't you?
0: Yeah we did that big interview with Phil Hodgkinson and Lee Bromby and Dave Threlfall Sykes and I I, mean, that was a huge, huge interview for us. The level of interest in that is never before seen at the Examiner, um, which I think just sort of shows that they needed to do that interview. And there are reasons that they went into towards the end as to why they hadn't had this conversation before, um, primarily to do with not wanting to hurt their negotiating position within the transfer window, but also the other big primary reason was they said they felt like they had done enough talking and needed to, to actually put their plans into action and show that they were moving in the right direction. The interview actually happened just after the Rolando-Aarons deal had fallen through. We understand that there was a, a hitch in the deal late on um, that that was neither club, but meant that the deal got delayed Um Uh, sort of the crucial moment and then didn't get through until two minutes past five so that that's sort of the latest info i've got on that they needed that winger they needed that attacker didn't they dave we talked about this before
1: Mm, yeah the the striker versus winger debate we're not going to have all that again we had that debate (laughs) on was it the last podcast they could have just done with some fresh blood into that attacking lineup one way or another though that's that's the reality whatever the reason was it didn't it didn't happen, but they're already looking towards January with that deal reading your excellent interview, Stephen. Um, oh, thank you. So he still might be a town player yet, but I I don't know. I think it's worth talking about the transfer window a bit overall because there was a, a lot of people have been extremely negative about it. I'm probably fairly neutral on it, if I'm honest. I don't think it was brilliant. I don't think it was particularly bad. Where do you fall?
0: I think the signings they made, generally speaking, were good. Um, and I think the fans would agree with that. We did sort of a hit-or-miss uh, thing with the fans uh, a few weeks ago. And Pippa, Saar, Iting all got over 95% on that. Danny Wood was pretty much 50-50. And Joel Pereira's mark was a bit lower. But, I mean, he's he was signed as a backup goalkeeper. So I'm sure no one's heart's going to be broken over that, to be perfectly honest. So... It, in that sense, the players they've signed look to be the right players for the job. We've already seen really, really good stuff out of Pippa. We've seen really promising stuff from Sarr on his on his, you know, handful of appearances, three appearances he's made now, hasn't he? And and Carolite sort of a, a similar number, I think maybe one more one more sub appearance than Sarr. Um, and he's you know, he's not been amazing but he's certainly shown signs that he's got that quality on the ball and it looks like he's going to be playing in the final third now rather than as a six as we thought he might so that's uh, that should give town a bit of an injection of creativity and already has at certain moments but you can't really overlook the fact that we spent most of the sort of the last month of the window going well if carlin grant goes they need to sign an attacker that is clearly a view that the club signed, hence why they went back for Chris Willock initially, and then why they went for Rolando Arons for, for deadline day. They obviously felt that, that they were short on a winger, and they've, they've got a policy of having two players for every position. The fact they've signed Alex Vallejo now um, for defensive midfield, and that's the first and last time that I'm going to do the huh on the, the J. Um, they signed Alex Vallejo um, for defensive midfield, which means they do have two players for every position, except the wing and um where they've they've got three wingers for sort of the the the, the two wing slots which Kuroma and Benzer and Diakabi they they did need to fill that slot to be perfectly honest because um for all and Benzer has been improved is he's, he's not exactly been putting in sort of nine out of ten performances he's been putting in sort of steady six and sevens which is really encouraging um but you know, he is still a work in progress, even if he is making progress. And Dear Carby, we've not even really seen much of him. Um, you know, he's been on the bench as an unused sub several times and I'm not convinced that that he's the answer to, to very many problems to be honest. Karoma is a bit more encouraging, to be fair. He's making good progress, but we've we've also seen moments where he's thoroughly he scored against Swansea, where he's got in front of goal, uh, and not taken chances that he probably should have taken. Hopefully that Swansea goal sort of opens the floodgates a bit for him now. But yeah, I mean they they needed that winger. I, I would say it's centre forward as well. And and one of the things in the interview that Phil got a lot of criticism for was saying they have five strikers. And in fairness to Phil, if you re- go back and read that interview. He was building up to a, he intentionally included a couple of academy players to build up to a point um, about. The fact that they've got academy players in backup, and I think fundamentally part of the issue is just that fans don't think that Danny Ward is a first choice centre forward, which the club do. And the fact he's been injured, and the fact that he has been at the club before and not been a centre forward, I think, are both factors in that. I've rambled on for a very long time there, Dave. <laughs> so apologies for that. But what 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 was your take on it?
1: Well, I I, I hate. Um... I hate the idea that you can like win a transfer window and I, I I think all you can do with a transfer window is I think you just have to assess is the squad any better, is the squad any worse? And I think for all the business that was done the players that have come in and the players that have gone out I look goalkeeping wise and I think well they've got Hamer and Pereira and Schofield now they had Grabara, Lussell, Coleman and Schofield last season so you'd argue that's a bit weaker defensively, you'd say it's, pro- it's probably a bit stronger because they've got that right back. You know, Simpson was brilliant when he came in, but then tailed off quite badly when the the game started going thick and fast. So I think you'd go, yeah, you've lost Congolo, but he wasn't playing anyway. He wasn't offering anything. Oh, yeah. so. I don't think,
0: I no one has made a single uh, comment about Terence Congolo's departure to me, one way or the other. So, so
1: I think adding in, you know, Sar and uh, Pippa there, Is is good. They've got the same cover each side, Brown and Dehaney. So I'd say the defence is a bit improved. Midfield, I don't know. I'm a I'm I think it's about the same. I I I need to see a bit more of Iting, but obviously they had Chalabar, they had a couple of options there. Bakuna, I think you could probably put him in with the wingers as well, possibly, Steve, because I think he's going to end up having to do a job there quite Mm. a few times this season. And then up front, you'd say they're probably worse off without Carl and Grant, without without a doubt. Um, but I'd say overall, I don't think the squad is sort of markedly worse or, uh, you know, it looks massively different. They're going to struggle. And the unknown in all of this is still Carlos Corbett because he's getting more from players that were there anyway. So I'm quite neutral on it, really. I think they could have done with that attacking player and that would have pushed it into, yeah, this is... A fairly positive window but i think the business they've done is intelligent i think getting players out that they needed to get out was intelligent again it's just fans just want to be excited fans want to have an emile smith rowe come in on the last day they want Mm. to have a you know it's that fizzy feeling again isn't it and i get that there was a bit of that with iting but unfortunately it came it was the nature of the sort of announcement coming after that that uh, that game that just all felt a bit yeah it, Brentford yeah it all felt a bit flat I get that but yeah I I just think it was I think it was generally fine I don't think it was bad I don't think it was good I think what it does do is put a little bit of importance on January because if Town keep up this this good form then uh, you know there's going to be a section of the fans who are demanding investment anyway but who are going to be looking at this and saying well we really need to give this manager the tools he needs to do the job. Um, but yeah, I thought it was fine overall. No more than that, no worse than that. Yeah,
0: and, you know, Rolando Warrens. it's worth saying, he. you know, it's he's not gone and just scored 19 goals in the championship himself. It's not like he's they had this... He's a project this, player. Yeah, exactly. It's not, you know, he's... From what I hear, I mean, you look at his stats and... Um, and I'm talking here just about sort of appearances and goals, like very like, top-level stats, because in truth, I've not even really had a chance to dig into to him yet and what he might bring to the team. That is something that, that we will look to do. Um, and I know someone else for our site has, has written a piece on that if you want to look for it. Um, but the point is he's not... You know, it's not like they've gone and tried to sign side Ben Rama and that's fallen through at the last minute. No. Um,
1: the thing about Aaron's is he's he's, a, he's another player that's got all the talent in the world, but hasn't been able to apply it properly. Mm-hmm. And I know he had a he had a bit of a disastrous Sloan spell at Sheffield Wednesday, was it? Where it just didn't. This is didn't what I was coming on to.
0: Yeah, the sort of the reports I've had from people at the Newcastle end is that, that they they some of those loans perhaps weren't the best moves mm. for him. It's it's You see when, not to give town too, too much credit or anything, but when they loan players out, it's it's usually got sort of a progression in mind. Uh, you know, they'll send them to non-league first to get used to physicality, then they'll go for a League 1 or League 2, and then they'll try to bring them into the championship team then. Whereas Aaron's has been to Italy, he's been to the Czech Republic, he's been to Scotland, mm. he went to the championship and then down to League 1. So... There's been a bit of inconsistency there. But I mean not to I mean, the only reason we're sort of dwelling on him as well is because Phil has said, that that he remains the top target for January. Otherwise, I think we'd be moving on already yeah. at this point in the podcast, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, but it would yeah.
1: also, to be fair on that, it, it would be even worse to say we really wanted this player. It fell through at the last minute. So that's it. We're never going to look at him again. Yeah. Basically, back yourself. If that's your pick, mm. go and get your pick. You know, yeah. back your back yourself. So I get that.
0: And there's an enormous amount of games to be played. You know, there's nineteen between that Swansea game that we just played on Saturday and then the Red come on the second of January. There's nineteen games in seventy-seven days there, um, and that includes a, a, a two-week international break. So it's a lot of games, but in terms of time, that you know, it's it's ten weeks or whatever it is. It's not a huge amount of time to be. Um, waiting for a player and they they have said if if the need arises and they really feel like they need to add someone and there's someone available as a free agent who they think can add to the side and who's available on the right deal then they'll they'll go and get them they're not ruling that out so I'm I'm not sort of trying to to, to defend them too much here because as I say I think you know we've both sat here and said they desperately needed that signing but I think um, there are factors sort of in the club's defense to be fair
1: yeah and i think it just it just moves it just moves the issue to january where i think if we get to the end of january and they haven't got errands for whatever reason and they still are operating with three players who who are sort of specialists as wingers then we will both have to sit here and say yeah that's that's not good enough they've they've got an issue there and they've not done anything about it but i don't think that's going to be the case i i think all signs are pointing towards soon as that window opens (laughs) aarons will be in and then if they have got other issues or other areas they they want to look at they can over the rest of that month but yeah i i I think it's all pointing towards the deal's done we just need the window to open so we can get the signature on it
0: yeah i think yeah i think everyone's on the same page with that um (sighs) Yeah, I think we should probably move on to the two games because the other reason that we're sort of being a bit, <laughs> or that I'm being a little bit, well, maybe it's no great loss they'll so get him in January, is because of those two wins that they've had over Swansea and Derby. And we need to be careful here because, as as I've just written in the conclusions that I literally just put out as we've come on to this call, you know, those problems that we talked about earlier this season haven't all gone away, have they, Dave?
1: No, no. I think I, I don't I don't want to sort of be negative after a good run of form and that's that's not what we're going to do or anything. But I think that we're going to talk about the wins. I think it's important to say that there's I'm not going to go into st- statistics this week just because I think it's. It's boring to a degree. It's good when there's, you know, like different things you can pull out, but I can simply sum up town statistics by saying everything's on an upward curve. You know, we'll talk about it when we get a good sample size to look at some proper averages, but everything's finally going the right way. But there are things that are unsustainable. Town aren't going to play a side who are <laughs> likely to sack their manager. Uh, the day after like they did with Forrest and I, I is Coco still there as we to, as we record I, this?
0: I think he is. I'm gonna to have to Google it. To be fair, I was surprised he was still there when we played him last time. So Yeah. Um, um yeah.
1: and the Swansea game, they were f- fortunate to go ahead in that game, shall we say, um and get through to half time as well. Uh I, I think as I said, I don't wanna be negative. But the difference is that Town are riding their luck at the moment, but they're getting the results and they've not done that for years. You know, they play those games eight months ago and they've lost them, Steve. That's that's the big difference, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the the Swansea and the Derby games, especially the Swansea game, they were almost sort of a bit of a a coin flippers to to who was going to win. You know, you you couldn't say that Town fluked the victories in either of them, but... They, you know, they did ride their look in those games that Swansea missed so many chances. And Derby had that really, really, I was going to say questionable offside. It's not even questionable. He was, was two yards <laughs> it onside. It was a forced ride onside. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, he, we he Literally, were, he ran around Richard Stierman after the ball had been Yeah,
1: passed. We, we were in the press box and we looked at each other after that. And if, if Derby go 1-0 up from that, then obviously it becomes a very different game. But I think what's interesting is that the Forest game, the Swansea game and the Derby game, it's the one moment of quality that has won it. So it's Fraser Campbell's unbelievable finish. It's Josh Caroma's brilliant run across the edge of the box and firing it in. And last night it was putting that move together and the one-two between Bakuna and Toffolo that just carved Derby apart on the counter because they were trying to press so high. So... That's, that's the difference because Town just didn't have the, not the, the capability, they've always had the capability, but they just didn't have the mindset to be able to put those moments together. And now yeah. that's that's the big difference. And that, that will carry them forward away. But the sort of next step is to see Town start a game on the front foot control it for 90 minutes and come away with that comfortable 2-0 victory where everybody just goes, well, yeah, you know, they always looked like they were going to win that game, Mm. whereas... Last night it was all a bit harem scarem at times and, and Derby's delivery into the box was absolutely pitiful. i te- I tell you who they reminded me of, actually. We, <laughs> it was late stage Yancey of Huddersfield Town, Derby yes. looked like, last night. Yeah, um, so, exactly what I thought. So, yeah, so you, Preston are another side who have been rocking and reeling this season so they're, they're a scalp to be taken. But, yeah, what we, that's the next step, really, just have that really comfortable... Cruise through it, no problems. Victory that we've not had since since David Wagner was there,
0: and because we've not had that yet, that's why we're being quite cautious still and saying mm. look, these problems aren't necessarily gone, and why you, you know, and I talk about you know it's a coin flip, that, but at least they're now putting themselves in contention to win yeah. those coin tosses, which they just they just weren't last season. So because many of those times, those
1: moments of quality. If you yeah. if you if you make yourself if you get yourself into a position where you can do that for 30 seconds in one game then you have a chance and we've sat there and torn our hair out Steve because they just haven't looked capable of I mean the XG on most of their chances last season for instance was just ridiculous because they just didn't create clear-cut opportunities that's not what they do so last night it was really good to see that goal um, where it starts with the keeper and they created every single part of that goal they Themselves, you can't say any part of that was down to a defensive mistake or poor positioning or poor keeping or anything like that. It was a good, sweeping move, and yeah. that's what we need to see from town a bit more, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. And worth saying as well, Janunio Bacuna obviously got the goal. He, he, that was his best performance for town this season by a mile. It still wasn't, again, it still wasn't sort of a nine out of ten performance, it was a seven, but you know. <laughs> He he was... You're, you're doing the wavy hand gesture there, Dave.
1: Yeah. Was it a good performance or did he just score?
0: I, I, no, I think he played... I mean, he was disciplined. He was... You know, it would have been a six if he hadn't scored, but, you know, he's not got I, to a six I so far this was, season. It's been on threes and fours.
1: Yeah, I thought he was okay. But again, there were a couple of moments where... Yeah, the just, frustration's still there. He, you know, either the concentration goes or he still does the jog... When he should be sprinting back into position, and then wondering why the Derby player suddenly has six yards of space around him.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. But he was, he was. I, I still think he was much better. And you look at his stats, and uh, I think he had five key passes, which means sort of passes leading to goal-scoring chances. And Mm. you know, they're not all. That's not necessarily passes that put someone clean through one-on-one, but it's chances that that lead to shots at least. And he's not getting anywhere.
1: I would, I'd argue that's where he's always been good. That's that's what he does. That's what he I would likes.
0: Agree, I would agree, but he's not been doing it. No, um, well, he, that's, he's that's just not issue.
1: looked. I mean, he's looked disinterested a lot of the time. But I mm. think, I, and, and
0: without I, that, what is he for? Is the issue, and he's just yeah. not been doing it. So at least he's added that now.
1: Yeah. So I, he's going the right way again. I'm not being overtly negative. It's just, No. I, I, I still. I still I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying he was man of the match last night, which I thought no, was no absolutely way. crazy. I mean,
0: Steam or Toffolo? Yeah, there.
1: I think you went and I went Toffolo. I, mm. I think Toffolo was as, was outstanding last night. I think he's really enjoying himself in under this management team because he's got he's always had the freedom of that flank to do what he wants, but now he's got players around him working as hard and he's, he's, I mean, what's he on for the season? Is that second assist for the season already? I
0: think so, yeah. Ran a goal as well, and he almost he almost got another goal against Swansea if he'd just been a little bit closer yeah. to the ball when Mbenza hit the post. Nothing Toffler could have done about it. He just wasn't quite close enough to it. But yeah, I mean, this I mean this system is completely tailor-made for him as well, yeah. because it's all about getting up the flank and getting to the byline and then squaring the ball across the box, which is exactly what he did for Campbell, exactly what he did for, for Bakuna. And... You know those cutbacks are a core principle of what Corbran wants the team to do, and and Toffolo was already doing that under the Cowleys. so of course he's continued to do well under Corbran, and and yeah, I mean he's he's the perfect player for them, almost you would say, in the same way that Lewis O'Brien was the perfect Danny Cowley player, I think Harry Toffolo is the perfect Callum Corbran player.
1: Mm. And I think Pippa on the other side is is getting there, but he's he's a bit looser than Harry Tuffalo. He's just still trying to get up to speed a little bit. He was was involved a lot last night because um, when Tom Lawrence was on the pitch, he had absolutely no... Uh, interest in coming back and covering that side whatsoever at any point so he found himself basically with one man to beat every single time and I think he did okay but I think when you compare him to Toph on the other side then there's no real comparison at the moment but there's enough positive signs to show that I, I would hope by Christmas when he's properly up to speed Town's wing backs are basically going to be their main source of Source of attack, and I think they're going to be difficult to stop. To be perfectly honest.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, I think Pippa actually in attack. He was fine in defence, but in attack, I thought he was a bit immature at times. Actually, to be honest. Yeah, he, the two
1: the two shots when he he was in a position to play people in were were the thing. Particularly the second one, mm-hmm. the first the first one. I'd have took that shot on Steve, where no he way. went to the top corner.
0: Yeah, 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 you couldn't you couldn't blame him for that. But but yeah, there was one where he had and Benzer and Campbell and I think one other in the middle and 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 chose to shoot put got it nowhere near the target and and they you know Campbell shouted at him as you'd expect and Benzer actually s- stopped him <laughs> on his way jogging back and went Pippa, come on." Yeah. <laughs> like shrugging his shoulders. Incredible so, to
1: see him. Benzer have a strop about something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he wasn't happy about being taken off, was he? And no, no we, we won't get too deep into that, but supposed no. to say Matt Glenn uh,
1: and Oggy spotted it and apparently went in deep enough <laughs> for right, us. Right, really. there we go. But so. I I saw it all. I saw him try to storm down the tunnel and then get sent back round because you just you're not allowed to do that from a COVID point of view. Yeah. Um and then I I've saw have seen everything. So saw, <laughs> saw his drop up the steps and he he wasn't happy but I I think there's a big difference. I think it should be worth saying, one, I I don't think it was great, and I'm sure Mm. somebody there is going to have a proper word with him. If there'd have been fans in the ground, that would have gone down like a lead balloon. Trust me. But Mm. I, I do think that probably shows where his head's at at the moment which a he actually cares again because i think it would be fair to say there was there was a pretty long period where he just didn't care about playing for the town and b i think he knows he needs to impress he's got he, he needs to kick on he he needs i mean i hate to say it but he needs to be a professional footballer again playing games week in week out and contributing to the team so I'm not saying it's it's good to see or anything like that but if if nothing else the fact that he cares now I think is a positive sign.
0: Yeah, definitely and and you know Carlos Corbran spoke about him at the the press conference before the the Swansea game I think it was and gave a really detailed answer and was saying you know he 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 volu- well he basically Corbran said we want you to come back and give up your holiday to come back to training early because you've got a bit of catching up to do because the French season was just mm. stopped rather than being finished. And Mbenza uh, and took it um, and has been really impressive in training with his attitude and his work rate. And you can see in him as well that... that there's such a a massive difference, and yeah, I mean, it wasn't great the way he went off against Derby, but you would I would also point to you know the celebration that he had with with Groma and Bakuna after the Swansea game, and that that's a player who is enjoying being part of this team. I think
1: he, he wants to play well. That's the difference. He wants to play well. He wants to contribute. He wants to be part of this team. Mm-hmm. and That's absolutely fine. But yeah, somebody just needs to have a word with him and just say that was that's not the way to express that, shall we say.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. We should probably talk about the expectations for for the season now, because inevitably we've got up to the heady heights of eighth and people are getting a little bit giddy. Um, Would it be fair to say that it's way too early to be talking about anything to do with the playoffs?
1: No, Premier League or bust. Why not automatic (laughs) top two? Yeah, because as I said, I think, it's difficult because what we what we don't want to do on this podcast, Steve, is come on here and just pop everyone's balloons and say, you know, it's not going to happen for this, this and this reason. It's just, A, there's a small sample size to look at at the moment. B, I think each of the wins has its own context. And C... The, the squad is still it, it's pretty thin and they're going to be playing a game on average every 4 days up until new year i think you worked out steve was
0: it that's right yeah
1: um and that playing a high end high intensity high energy pressing passing game nine times in december that's a that's a big ask and I said on the podcast, I can't remember whether it was last week or a week before, that I think the way this town is, this this club is set up at the moment, the, the way they're playing, they're definitely going to be beaten big a couple of times. Uh, it's just just by the very nature of the the style they are trying to implement, and I think it's. They've got to bounce back from them as well, make sure they don't carry that hangover into a couple of games or anything like that. So what we wanted before the season, Steve, I don't know if we talked about it on mic or off air, but we both said what town could really do with is a really safe, easy steady ascent into mid table stay there yeah. all season no fear of relegation come february you know end of february be sat there going yeah well there's no chance they're going to go down and that would do for the season and i think that still has to be the aspiration really
0: yeah finish 14th kind of thing and 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 have seen signs of progress i think and to be honest that is exactly the expectation or the hope that we had going into last season and yeah. obviously it, it didn't happen and I think there has been, and you, you, we talked about this last night, a little bit of, uh, of retconning, a little bit of of changing yeah, of history a... in retrospect about about what an achievement it was that they are even still in this division because you know, well, you you, you say what you said last night.
1: Well, I just so, somebody said that this club doesn't achieve, and last season wasn't a, wasn't an achievement. It was dreadful and various other things. And I think whatever you thought of the Cowleys, yeah, the football wasn't great at times, but they had to play a certain way. And I think that's been borne out by what we know about some players and the players that have uh, been bombed out, shall we say? Mm-hmm. They did some fantastic business in January and staying up when you have two points up, was it two points after 11 games they got to? Two after nine. Two after nine. Yeah. that's That had never been done before. So to, to say that wasn't an achievement or to just write it off as a terrible season, which I'm not saying it was great, but... Yeah, it was climbed, a terrible season, they but they climbed, should have gone down. Yeah, yeah, they climbed a mountain to stay in that mm. league. They absolutely climbed a mountain. And then you throw in the fact there was players drop in who got sent to train with the kids there was an injury crisis there was covid and when they came back they had a couple of horrible games but their form over that mini league was actually comparable with with anyone around them mm. I, I i think we've just got to be careful to just write off last season cuz i think they they as i said what the Cowleys did was they they achieved a, a, a well a footballing miracle in a, in a lot of senses and I think what we're seeing now is partly a continuation of that good work and a new philosophy at play and a coach who wants to change the shape of the club and a club who have basically turned it over to him as they did with David Wagner in the hope they get a similar level of success. but it's just in terms of aspirations there's nothing wrong with being aspirational we've said on this podcast Steve there's nothing wrong with being aspirational there's nothing we've actually with... we've
0: actually asked the club to be a bit more ambitious yes sometimes.
1: we have and that's that's a good thing but right now right at the moment uh, without repeating ourselves what they really need is signs of progress a couple of players blooded into the first team from the youth team for next season, a nice, safe mid-table finish, and then a full pre-season. That's what they really yeah. need to kick on another level. And it's not like... There's no point us, you as a Liverpool fan, me as a Brighton fan, sitting here telling Huddersfield Town fans to just be grateful for what you've got or anything <laughs> like that. That's not what we mean at all. It's just... It, it, playoffs and promotion talk is sexy, and what Town could do with it at the moment is... is just safe, really.
0: Uh, safe sex, yeah, is what they want. That's yeah. what I'm advocating. <laughs> um, yeah, and I would agree with that. And the reason that we're sort of dredging up the cowlies because we sort of made a vow within a couple of weeks of them getting sat that we weren't going to constantly bang on about the cowlies throughout the season, and and we tried not to. But the reason we bring that up is is to remind you where. The club mm-hmm. were at the start of the season, and and where they were a week ago, because and I don't think anyone. To be fair, I don't think anyone's getting like too carried away. People who are making jokes about you know, um, you know, they're going to storm the league now and fill on his on his boat that we can't say the name of, and yeah. uh, and his train that we can't say the name of, and and those memes. They're, they're tongue in cheek, and I get that. Um, I went all Adam Partridge there, and I get that. Yeah. Um, but um, I think there is genuinely. Uh, a danger that that people actually do start believing that, and then when the wheels eventually come off or the boat sinks, depending which meme you want to go with, um, that people suddenly think they, everything's terrible they again. Lose, and it's a disaster they lose again. sight.
1: Yeah, they yeah. they they lose sight. I just I think the progress at the moment is great. I think you can see. You don't need us to tell you that things are going better. You can look at a league no. table and see that. But yeah, it's. I think all we're saying is you just need to remember that a mid-table finish this season would be progress. Playoffs and... Pro- I mean, if town went up this season, you could actually argue it's probably the opposite of what they want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going up too soon again kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, nobody would turn around and say it's a bad thing. <laughs> no, Because it, it isn't, but it's yeah we i think it's just about just resetting not getting giddy but town getting 10 points out of 12 doesn't happen that's the that's the thing that's where it's coming from it doesn't happen it hasn't happened for a long time so the fact that we can sit here and say we still think what we said pre-season in terms of aspirations is perfectly valid I think is a really exciting piece of progress. The fact yeah, we're having to justify it is, is good. It's exciting. Yeah,
0: very much so. It's with there's plenty of other conversations in a different world that, that we could be having, that would be a lot less uh, enjoyable and, you know, <laughs> a lot less uh, fun to listen to than this. And, you know, it's, we're almost at that point where like when you're winning, there's less to talk about and less to, mm. to because there's less to complain about. And, you know, we know from the stats on our website that, that, um, negative headlines invariably do better than positive ones so but in terms of uh, um, that feeling that you want to take through the week and you know it's the whole reason that we watch this game is to get that feeling and just to enjoy you know like getting into that warm bath of uh, of having enjoyed a win
1: yeah that's exactly it and these are i'm not going to patronize anyone and say they're new feelings for town they're not new feelings for town the supporters have, have known this From a long time ago. It's just the very recent memory. Is just not like this. The closest they've had really was. Well basically the only two periods. You can look back on in the last say three years. Are the run when the Cowleys. Got things going of that seven games. Before the wheels came off Mm. again. In December And then there was the very early form in the Premier League. But that's Mm. how stark it's been, really, uh, in terms of of fans' aspirations and fans' feelings. And I think it's important to say that uh, a lot of people have criticised the club quite heavily and they've been extremely vocal about it. And to be frank, they've gone way too far. But at the same time, it's also understandable because if you just get the same old, same old all the time, it... Gets less and less bearable. Chicken soup's lovely, but if you have it for every meal, you'll get sick of it fairly quickly. (laughs) So the fact that there's now something different to talk about and something enjoyable and exciting, it's absolutely fine to revel in that and be excited about it. We just have to sit here as analysts, as a journalist and an analyst, and just say, and just temper it slightly, because if we get carried away, then (laughs) we're all on the (laughs) fill boat, aren't we? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And, you know, we talk about that criticism. And uh, which brings us on to the interview we did with Phil and a bit weird for me to sit here and, and, and talk about it, I guess, although who who better? Chicken um,
1: used to himself. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but no, I mean, we, we did that interview with Phil and Lee and, and, and Dave um, on on Friday and these are the the kinds of conversations just to sort of give a glimpse behind the curtain that that I have with Dave pretty much on a daily basis and he's obviously you know giving me the thoughts of the club but we can't always you know I try the best I can to try and convey um, sort of the club's position on things and you know everyone who's listened to the podcast will know that we've we've tried to do that I don't just put it out there sort of unquestioned because you know sometimes they'll say stuff and i'll go "Mm, not sure about that one dave um but you know it's these are the kinds of talks that i have with the club all the time and but i think it's one thing me trying to say it and not being able to quote people and not being able to put full detail around it and quite another thing for the club to to explain it in their own terms um what was your sort of general reaction overall reaction to that interview dave
1: um i think I think, it's, I think it was interesting on a couple of levels. I think there was a lot of information in there. There was a, a lot of stuff when you drill down into it. There was a lot of new information in there that I hope answers some of the questions fans had. Um, I think your line of questioning, without sitting here and praising you, which, as you know, makes me physically sick, I think was good. Um, and I think you, you went down the... I think... To, to tell uh, people a little bit about behind the scenes, you sort of came to me with, these are the things I want to ask, and we had a slight tinker, but that was about it. And it was basically ticking off the fans' concerns one by one, which I think was the exact way to approach that interview. I don't think there was any other way to do it, really. And I think, I just going off on a slight tangent, I've seen a lot of people saying, comparing it to the interviews he did on, and he takes that chance in a in a negative light against them and I think that's absolute rubbish the context of the two interviews are completely different uh, steve is a journalist in a newspaper going down a very specific line they're on a podcast with a new chairman and then a chairman after lockdown who wants to sort of justify a couple of things so there's no comparison between the interviews they're all
0: good and they're fans
1: <laughs> yeah they're all good and all contained the context that was right for those situations yeah. So I think with this one, I think there was a lot of good information. I think, as I said, I think there's a lot of fan questions that were answered. I do understand there is a little bit of negativity around a few points. And I get that because I, I I just think you have to talk in reality here. And I think there's a section of fans that Phil is going to struggle to win over. Partly because he's, <laughs> to be frank, he's not Dean Hoyle. And partly because he's a very different character. He's, he goes about things his own way and I think that's I think that can be both a good and bad thing but on the evidence of what we've seen so far I think you have to say that at the moment things are going well Um, and I think it's important to recognize that and not just go in and say well it's it that doesn't matter because six months ago it wasn't (laughs) you can't you can't live your life like that and I think that going forward the club shouldn't justify itself every single time they shouldn't feel the need to tell fans about every single last detail of the club. No football club in the world does that. None of them. Because you have to have a, a plan and something you're working towards mm. without constant justification. You have to believe in what you're doing. But it, it would be nice... I think it would be nice if, if the club would sort of commit to possibly do this again in the summer so that you mm. can... Sort of do this interview now, and then you can go back in the summer and say, okay, well, you said this and this was going to happen, or you were looking towards this. Talk me through how it's gone, or where are the examples of this? I I thought it was good. I thought Lee Bromby came over very well as well. Yeah, I, I think that's I, important to say.
0: I've have an awful lot of time for Lee Bromby. It must be said. Um, you know, I've spoken to him at a few games as well, and he's obviously worked incredibly hard to get himself ready for for this new job that that he was promoted into, and yeah, he he, he always uh, has interesting and, and, and intelligent things to say, I would say, without wanting to blow smoke up anyone's rear That's, end too much. That's genuinely what I think, There,
1: I've said it before, though, on here, and I haven't changed my opinion, that I think he came across well, and I think he's a good spokesman for the club, but people, the, the best people in those positions you don't hear from them. You don't know their names because they just quietly go about doing their job well. You know, I I said it, I used this exact example. There's a reason everybody knows who Edward Wood Jr. is and that's because he's doing his job particularly badly there. So I, I think that, I think the time, they've answered the questions. This is what the fans wanted. They've answered all the questions now just get your heads down and get the jobs done and the things that you've talked about and the things that you want to achieve and the things you're working towards start working towards them that's that's the way to do it now and you can always point back to this interview as an example of well we have talked to you we have talked direct to fans we have addressed these issues i think there's still they still need to communicate a little bit more on canal side but i think there's reasons they can't at the moment and i believe well, we... there's a lot of stuff coming isn't there
0: there is, yeah. We we did actually talk, sorry, that I didn't really make it terribly clear in the piece, but we did talk about Canal Side. Um, but, but we did that separately because they've got, as you say, they've got their own bit coming on that. So yeah. um, we felt like they were going to have sort of their say on that through their own channels um and but we've got plenty you know we, we spoke for about five minutes about canal side so the, I've, there's plenty there and that will be that will actually be in our newsletter first um so you'll have seen on the website there's all kinds of newsletter ups. um if you get for, for the town newsletter if you get into that then uh, then you'll get the the quotes from phil and, and lee on on canal side in your inbox first before it goes on the website so um if it does go on the website so yeah so look out for that but no we, I, I think that the sort of the the main takeaway from the fans the main sort of the, the the most common reaction is i don't love all the answers they gave but at least they've given them and that yeah. reassures me and sort of the big thing obviously was was the financial side of things just the fact that they are solvent they've got no issues over mm. um you know they've said that even but with no players in or out now um, behind closed doors till the end of the season and hopefully it won't go on that long. But if it does, they're absolutely fine. Um, and if mm-hmm. it goes into next season as well and next season is played entirely behind closed doors, they'll still be fine. They might have to trim the wedge bill a bit, but they will still be fine. The, the questions that sort of people have asked uh, primarily other than what about Canel's side, uh, off the back of that interview, I'll, I'll cover a couple of those off now. Um, one of them was, was, why are you making redundancies if you're financially stable? I should have asked that question, to be fair. Um, But I think, to be honest, it's not something I I would... Go on.
1: I I don't agree with you asking that, Steve, because you're dealing with individual cases and you're dealing Mm. with people's jobs town were a premier league club the season before last and when you become a premier league club you have to take on more staff because like in a very real sense there's a load more boxes that need ticking in everything from your stadium to the way things are covered to to just your admin side of things so town were probably still running slightly heavy anyway and everybody has had to make redundancies arsenal football club made redundancies it, it it's just the reality of life and i think that one or two people have slightly lost perspective the the boovy question was answered and that was what a lot of people seem to be pointing towards you know how dare you lay off andy booth that's not happening we know that's not happening we had a direct response from mark devlin on that i, I think you've just gotta the financial questions you asked were the right questions to to ask people to go beyond that and start drilling into individual roles, I think is that—that's not your role, Steve. That's not what you're there to do in that context. For my—for my money, anyway, I'm sure no, people disagree enough. with that.
0: I, I would also say, it, even if I had asked it, I don't think it would have been appropriate for the club to answer it, which is almost sort of what you've just said, um, exactly. For, for exactly the reasons you just said, because it is an ongoing process. You know, we we had it's a matter of public record it's out there we had redundancies at at reach earlier this year um after the that which is the company that owns the examiner and um you know people were laid off and it's not nice but it's important to say that that is that making redundancies and being financially stable are not necessarily yeah like they're not necessarily mutually exclusive things um is 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 what i would basically say on that And, and i wouldn't be comfortable speculating any further um, and I believe that if and when sort of the, the the process that they're going through with the redundancies is finalized the couple will make a comment then so um, I think that's all we need to say on that the other question was if they've if they're financially stable why have why has Phil had to put money into the club um, which he has said that he has it's it's simply a matter of of cash flow basically so yeah. you can you can be financially healthy but need to put cash in so if I you know, Dave, you're a uh, a book supplier. If you um... they call us
1: publishers, Steve, <laughs> oh yeah,
0: <laughs> you're a you're a publisher. If you sell uh, a load of books to Waterstones or whatever, you know, you sell thousand pounds worth of books to Waterstones. They don't pay you on time, um, no. and um, and you still need to pay your suppliers for the paper you've used. You need to pay five hundred quid for that you your books your account your accounts will show that you are 500 pounds up you're 500 pounds in profit your bank balance will show you 500 pounds down
1: yeah and i i think it's important here steve as well so people need to understand that a football is a business world run on promises mm-hmm. promises and loans and stepped agreements and clauses and if such and such does such and such then you get Hundred thousand pounds, but if they don't, you'll only get ten thousand pounds. It is, there's a myriad of this sort of stuff, so you're exactly right. What <laughs> The figure at your bottom of your balance sheet can be very different to the figure that's actually in the bank account at any yeah. one time. And the the figure in the bank account is what you've actually got to pay people with. That's yes. where your physical and wages and your monthly outgoings are coming from.
0: And if you can't pay those things, that's when you end yeah. up getting wound up. Um, you, can, you can be as profitable as you like, but you run out of cash. Uh, it's, it's and game you, over.
1: You, you can't keep loaning against it either because if you keep loaning against it, all that's happening with the interest payments is you're then eating into the actual amount of money that you've got to work with in the first place. So it's not just as simple as saying, well, if we know we've got another... 12 million quid coming from Carlon grant why don't we go and borrow 10 million quid that's because if you borrow 10 million quid you're probably going to have to pay 15 million quid back (laughs) so it, it it's just not it's it's a very convoluted convoluted world to start with football yeah and then it gets even more complicated from there
0: yeah i mean i i some listeners will know in a past life i was an accountant uh and i managed i was finance manager for a for a company in Leeds, um, no. you know that was that, that was turning over a couple million quid a year, and um, and you know I was managing that, and you know we were always profitable, we were always healthy, but there were also times where we needed to be quite careful with the cash because certain suppliers would be on different payment schedules but you you know you have to pay the staff every month and we, you know we always had a cash flow forecast that we needed to look after and make sure we didn't run out of money at any point during the month um so it's that's completely normal and i, and I can assure you from having lived it myself and done that job myself that is completely normal for, for any business so and the other thing was the five strikers thing that we touched on earlier
1: everybody latched onto it because they said oh five strikers five strikers but it, it's more about the actual philosophy of the club and people that people keep saying the names like matty daly and josh Osterfeld and kian Harrett, et cetera, scott high for a reason and that's because town has got to become a, a bit of a battery farm for these players mm. the, these town have got to set themselves up you know one of the reasons they got rid of the youth system and had to start again is because they have to become a club who creates from within and if you do that you then save yourself having to spend 15 20 million every summer to flesh out your squad and therefore you are financially stable longer term so the whole it's an it's an oribos it's it's the it's a snake eating its tail the whole thing has to work and go in a circle you know everything feeds into everything else But I think the last thing I wanted to say on the interview, Steve, was that everybody's been calling for communication and everybody has wanted some direct communication. We've even said on this podcast, after they talked to TalkSport and after they talked to Radio 4, they needed to talk directly to the fans because it's all right talking about football but what the fans wanted them to talk about was Huddersfield Town now they've talked about Huddersfield Town they've done the interview it was very detailed it was very long it took me a good 10 minutes to read it all that's enough now everybody just needs to move on for the minute there will be points they need to communicate in the future and I'm sure people will jump down their throats if they don't but they've done what was asked Everybody just needs to move on from this for a bit and just enjoy what's happening on the pitch rather than trying to pick holes in, you know, why haven't they told us about this? Why haven't they told us about that? You've you've mm. got to give them a fair chance now to, to see where we go from here. And if things don't work, if they don't hit the achievements they're saying, if they don't hit the targets they're saying, then, yeah, we can all legitimately criticise them for that. But yeah. this needs to be the, the before and now yeah. let's see how the after goes
0: that's it and exactly right i think having done this doesn't make them immune from all criticism it doesn't mean that you have doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they've said it doesn't mean we won't continue to hold them to account if they you know if we think that there's that there's issues um but but they're on the record now and if you're on the
1: record you've got to take that for what it is and Mm. and go forward
0: yeah exactly and and just that that i think just being able to to say why haven't you spoken to us or why aren't you Mm. communicating just getting that off the table i think has hopefully calmed down a lot of people um which is which which is positive and as you say we'll put the attention now where where it needs to be which is which is on the pitch um preston coming up on on saturday what are you expecting from them they've not had a great start either have they
1: no they they're still big physical they they will look Preston's whole game plan i thought what was interesting last night is that derby had very specifically planned for corbin ball um and they they started with five at the back to just try and basically let town press them high and and be able to deal with that um but then they switched to basically a bielsa style 3313 at one point mm-hmm. and it was it was interesting that teams are studying town and how how they how they play and trying to adjust for it and i think preston's whole game plan on saturday will be to stop town getting into any sort of rhythm it will be a tactical foul kind of game <laughs>
0: rotherham again but yeah but but they're better than rotherham obviously they've got yeah and i think they can hurt you more than rotherham can i I think
1: rotherham's game plan was just to retreat and build the walls as high as possible to stop you breaking through them whereas preston's plan will be let's just try and upset them doesn't matter what area of the pitch we're on let's just just try and get knock them out of their rhythm and then see if we can get something out of it and it's it's a key game actually because it's a it's a big test, I think. I think it's a big test and I, I like I know they have ten points out of twelve and they've had a couple of really good victories, but I think it's another one of them games where take Preston's start out of it. I think if Town got a point out of it, that would actually be pretty impressive. Um to keep that run going and get a point out of Preston I think would be a team they've struggled with in the past as well, I think would be progress again. And that's Exa- that's all yeah. it needs to be.
0: Exactly what I was going to say. And and yeah, it's seven, seven points from three games from a three-game week. You can't ever object to that, even if two of them are at home. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think anyone would have expected the win against Swansea. I think everyone would have said a point there was a really good result. So mm. um, yeah, I mean, a draw would be fine. But I think it as you say it's a it's a team exactly the kind of team t- town really struggled against last year mm. and when Preston came to the John Smiths uh, after lockdown in in June or July it was the limit of their ambition was just try and keep it goalless play for the point it will be interesting now to see if now that they've got the ambition okay let's go and play them and mm. and uh, you know try and play our own game against them and get something out of this and see if we can get a win whether Preston, because I'm sure they're going to try and bully Town again because they were so yeah. successful with that last year, whether them try to bully Town is something that Town have learnt to adapt to and learnt to play around and it's not going to bother them or whether it reveals a bit of a weakness that they need to work on
1: They, Yeah, I think Town needs to score twice to win that game and yeah. despite all the positives and all the good things, we've only got the Swansea game where they've scored twice mm. and one of those was wildly against the runner play shall we say so yeah i i you just want to keep the pro... We, we want to be talking about this game on this podcast next week saying we could still see the pattern we could still see the progress they were unlucky on this regard etc that's all we really want from the game yeah. you know a, a win would be a massive bonus a massive massive bonus but a draw would be absolutely fine too yeah
0: brilliant right thank you dave for coming on the podcast as usual uh where can people find you on social media
1: uh at david hartrick on twitter
0: and where can people find a copy of mensch as recommended by none other than andre vs boas uh
1: they can on occlibooks.co.uk or on amazon they have loads of stock quite big. I mean, I think Amazon might blow over, but apparently they're quite big now.
0: There you go. Magic, right, thanks for joining us, listeners. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.